If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello there. Welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. My name is Anna Dimmel. I am honored that you are with us today. Today, I'm talking all about the feels, all about the rage that we hide, the sadness that we don't let anybody see, and all of this inner power dynamic that we deal with that oftentimes we think we have to keep to ourselves. I'm going to open up about my journey of doing this, my whole story. I get real personal in this episode, by the way, and I think this is something that so many of us can relate to each other on. So I'm honored that you are in this sacred space with us today. I want to thank Robert Arnau. He is one of the faithful patrons of this show, and I appreciate you so much, Robert. Thank you for supporting this work, for supporting me and this show. You are such a gift. Thank you so much. And to all of my Patreons out there, you guys, I don't say it enough, you are so much a treasured part of this work. Thank you for all that you do. You guys are amazing. You're awesome. I love you all so much. If you are interested in becoming a supporter of this show, you can find out more on my website, just at jesusfollower.com. Click on the button Patreon. You guys, this is such a good topic. This is such a real topic. And um, I am honored that you're here sharing it with me. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Here we go. Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. We're talking all about our feelings and This may seem like an obvious topic, right? With books like Braving the Wilderness, for instance, with Brene Brown and speakers out there like Glennon Doyle and just a plethora of people who are inviting those of us outside of them to enter into this space of connection and this space of braving the hard things that are inside of us. And I'm a huge fan of people like them, work that they do. And this is something that I would have said for years was a big part of my own mantra in connecting inside with what's really in there. The truth is, is that I did. I have had a history of being able to connect inside of myself and put words to feelings and put reasoning and explanations to certain patterns that I've done, connecting it all back to this thing called emotion, things that I feel, things that I sense, whether intense or subtle. I've had a way of connecting with those things. 
But here's the kicker. In the environment that I have been in most of my life, which would include a very strong um, evangelical space with a lot of pressure to perform, a lot of pressure to be a certain way, especially when you are viewed as a leader. You know, there's a lot of pressure to not feel. <laughs> and and if you are given space to feel, it's usually something that you need to do privately or feel behind closed doors. Now, I can't think of anybody in my previous churches, my previous work experiences, um, previous leadership spaces where they would have outright said that that was what they would have thought was right. But there's this unspoken thing inside of leadership. And I think inside of those who are even not in leadership, but underneath that leadership, that to feel to the point of anger, to feel to the point of rage, to feel to the point of hysterics, to feel to the point of depression, to feel to the point of anxiety. That was all major red flag warning. Uh Uh-oh, this person is not okay. And when you have spent most of your teenage, young adult, and then adult life in a circle like that, woo, you can sense your feelings all day long inside, but what you learn is that that's where they have to stay. I think a lot of us can resonate with that, no matter what your background is, whether we share that story or not, feeling as though everything that's happening inside of you has no exit path. It has no release valve. It has no way out that you have to carry the burden of processing it all internally. I think a lot of us connect on that. I think we have been up until recently in a society, in a culture where this has been the norm. This has been expected. This has been what one would call maturity. This is what we view strength as. And maybe in societies behind us, they had to be that way to survive. Maybe this wasn't so bad that long ago. Maybe it was an instinctual, we have to bury it, deal with it later, survive and keep marching. I don't ever want to impose my current perspective on people who have survived and battled wars and societies and cultures that I have no reference point for. They did what they had to do, much like you and I in our stories have done what we have had to do with what we knew. So yeah, there may have been some purpose behind that in people groups before us. However, the aftermath, the pattern set in place because of that survivalistic behavior is unhealthy. A lot of us feel like we're surviving still. A lot of us feel like even though we're not scavenging for food and shelter and battling the latest villain that is coming to attack our precious village with our family and friends and community, we feel that way anyway. I think that a lot of us carry this notion of it's them or me fight to survive, fight to stay plugged in, 
fight to stay accepted, fight to stay on top, fight to keep the status quo. And when you do that, that is a sense of survival. That is a sense of bury it deep within so that you can get through the next thing. And unfortunately, when you start a pattern of that, that pattern tends to carry on and carry on and carry on. This has been a pattern for me up until recent years. And it's an interesting dynamic because for someone like me who is so in tune with myself, I really believed that one could handle it alone. I really believed that if you were mature enough, if you were strong enough in your faith, if you were connected enough to spirit, you could fight these battles alone. You could handle depression, anxiety, fears, anger, rage, sadness. You could handle all of it inside of this little cavern of your soul alone, never letting it escape outwardly because that would be viewed as too much or immature or not strong or not a good leader. And I think that that is a big fat lie. I'm just going to roll back the curtain here and show you what's behind it and say that there is no amount of maturity that makes it okay to handle those things inwardly and never give them space to release. What happens when you do that is that you are slowly mass murdering every viable, living, breathing, feeling thing inside of yourself. Inside of you is this intricate, beautiful tapestry of all kinds of different parts of you. You have, we, and we talked about this last week, you know, your mind, your body, your spirit, your soul, all of these parts of you are intertwined. They are one. They are all connected. All have different roles, different parts, but they all tell one story, the story of you. No part of you is better or worse than another part. They're all you. And when you are not allowed to be open, when you are not allowed to be received as you are, subconsciously of your own doing, you start killing parts of you off. I believed for a long time that my anger was wrong, sincerely believed that, so much so to the point that I would make myself sing praise songs, make myself say things of thankfulness and gratitude for really awful situations. I didn't allow myself permission to be full of rightful anger rightful rage. There's a reason that certain feelings come out of us. There's a reason that when someone wrongs you, you feel angry. There's a reason that when someone leaves, you feel sad. There's a reason that when you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, you feel anxiety. Now, I'm not going to tell you that these feelings are healthy to stay in. I'm not going to tell you that having full-blown out, uncontrollable rage and anxiety and depression is a good place to be in. I'm not going to say that. But what I am going to say is whether or not you express it outside of you 
or just keep it inside of you doesn't change the fact that it's there. And I think that is where we fall into this trap, this huge deceptive trap that says, if I keep this stuff inside of me, it's not real. If I keep this buried deep in and nobody sees the rage, nobody sees the hurt, nobody sees the sadness and the tears and the full blown out anger, then it might just go away. It's not really there because I don't want to accept the fact that I feel these things. And I certainly don't believe anyone outside of me would accept the fact that I'm feeling them either. This is where we step into yucky, yucky territory and where I landed years ago, which is where it's all there. Just because it wasn't living and breathing out of my body doesn't mean that I wasn't carrying it. In fact, the load gets a lot heavier when you're the one carrying it all by yourself and it has no way to get out of you. That's where I found myself. I posted on Instagram not so long ago a little bit about this, which was kind of the beginning of me brainstorming this episode. And what I was talking about, and I'll just quote it here, I said, when you feel like all you can be is gentle, you end up full of rage because the power has nowhere to go. And when we feel like all you have to be is strong, you end up with loads of anxiety because the tenderness has nowhere that it feels safe. These power dynamics inside of us are constant. Learning to lean into what our body needs to express and what our heart needs to feel is the key to landing on our feet. You see, you have tender parts of you. Maybe you've been told that those are too much. Maybe you've been told that they are things that make you weak, things that you shouldn't feel, things that you're too soft, too tender. There are also parts of you that are strong and powerful. And maybe you've been told that that's too much, too much power, too much strength, too much opinion, too much force, right? But the thing is, is that all of these parts of you are needed. We need the soft, tender part of you just as much as we need the strong, powerful part of you. And it's an ebb and flow. But when you feel like you can only be one or the other, you go into this perpetual cycle of of frustration. I believed that all I could be, should be, was soft and gentle. I remember um, seeing other moms when I was a young mom who were so patient and kind and soft-spoken with their children. And I am not wired that way. I I do have that side of me, but I am more like a get-her-done kind of mama. I'm like, okay, out of bed, let's go. Shoes on, brush teeth, breakfast in the mouth on your way out the door, move, move, move. Like I am a go-get-em kind of mom. I'm not the, the tender, soft mom all the time. And when my kids would do things like toddlers do, where they would be completely out of control, like, you know, biting each other. I had a biter. Not cool. Like biting each other or the the fits where they'd hit each other. You know, I had two very close in age. It was, it was like, you know, full-blown wrestling match with them all the time just to keep the house sane. And 
I would see these moms so patient. And of course, you know, they had lots more than I did and they homeschooled and they were just so good. And I was so like at my wits end, but I was trying to be gentle every day. And what I found was I was an angry mom. I didn't always express that anger, but man, it was like on the surface all the time, like right underneath my breath all the time. I just felt rage. This made me feel so guilty. And any young mamas, old mamas, I think we all can resonate with the mom guilt thing. No matter where it comes from, when it hits, it is like a tidal wave. And the guilt I felt for so many years for feeling so angry at my kids was awful because I didn't want to feel that way. I wanted to feel like the soft mom. I wanted to have all the warm, fuzzy feels, but I didn't. I was on the verge of exploding what felt like all the time. Now, friends of mine back then would say to you that I was a great mom. They would say to you, oh my gosh, you're so patient. They would say all the things because I hid this so well. And I pray that I hit this from my kids, but it was real. Like it was like a ticking time bomb beating inside my chest of rage. I remember when I was pregnant with Noah, my fourth, and oh, that was a rough year for me. My marriage was undeniably in shambles, but I was incomplete resistance of that truth. Um, for me to survive that relationship, I buried my head like six feet under the sand and was just like, if I don't see it, it's not real. I I'd been through a divorce before and I was determined I am not going to divorce again. That is not God's plan. And I'm going to love, I'm going to stay, I'm going to pray this issue away. This issue of a toxic relationship. I mean, that's what I was really begging God to fix. And I remember when I found out I was pregnant, I was so excited. And then, I mean, within minutes, this panic, like from head to toe, those of you who struggle with anxiety and panic attacks, you know, this feeling where the panic just washes over you from the top of your head, all the way to your fingers and to your toes of just your insides feel like they're on fire and you're going to explode. That panic washed over me very soon after I found out I was pregnant. And it was because I knew it was another child, another responsibility that I was going to have to carry alone. And there was no way around that. That was the dynamic of the marriage I was in. And that was the rhythm of the home. And no matter how much I would kick and scream for help, help was not going to come. And when I felt that, I, I, I went so far in myself. I, I, I think I completely lost myself that year. I think who I really am, what I really needed, and the truth about how fragile my insides were, went into complete hiding because they had to, you know, at the beginning of the show, I was talking about that survivalistic thing. I was pregnant with a baby 
that I desperately wanted to do the very best for, that I wanted to show up for. I had two middles who were in need of my attention 24-7 and home all the time. And I desperately wanted to show up for them. And I had a middle schooler who I wanted to give my everything to, who was dealing with her own stuff and her own social anxiety and all kinds of yucky stuff that comes with middle school, right? And and I just resolved to be okay. I remember standing in front of my mirror, looking at myself dead in the eye, saying, you've got this. You're fine. Buck up. You're going to be fine. And down went every feeling that was genuine of fear, every feeling that was genuine of anxiety, every feeling that was genuinely pissed and full of rage that I had to do this alone. It all went down really far. And as I look back at that year, I can tell you that is when the panic attacks were almost daily. Um, I would start my morning with one. I'd breathe through it. No one knew about it. And I'd march on with my day. And the rage was right under my breath. The tears were right behind my eyes, but they never let out. None of it. Because I thought I had to be gentle, even though I felt so angry that I didn't have a partner that was showing up for me or our family. I had to just stuff it, even though I was angry that I felt chaos in my home life. I had to stuff it. Even though I was heartbroken that I was lonely, I had to stuff it. And even though I wanted so badly to be happy about this baby, I had to fake it. And so that year is when I, it was when I can say this pattern of me refusing to connect with these emotions that were inside of me, that was when legitimately I disappeared. That was when I completely was vacant. And vacancy can help. It can help you survive. And I don't know that this is a survivalistic instinct we can deny. I think I think the vacancy comes when it needs to. But I also think that when you live in a pattern of vacancy, it creates a world of hurt later, a world of yucky later. And most importantly, you're sacrificing you on the altar of what? Right? Like on the altar of being soft and gentle. I mean, that's where I was sacrificing myself. Like this is the idol that I have built of who I'm supposed to be. And so I'm going to kill everything that stands in my way of that. Even if it is my own flesh and bones, even if it is my own natural responses, I'm going to sacrifice it on the altar of being soft and gentle and what I deemed a good wife and a good mother. You guys know how the story ends, right? A few years later, I'm pastoring and my whole life implodes and my marriage, I could not hide from the problems anymore. I could not not be angry. I could not not be heartbroken. And it all exploded. And those of you who are stuffers, you know the pattern, right? You stuff and stuff and stuff, and then it's like a volcanic eruption. And this was a volcanic eruption of like 10 plus years. And it 
exploded in a very firm boundary of no more. And as you all know, we went through with the divorce. I jumped into single parenting, which again, I'd kind of felt like I'd done for years anyway. And so that, it almost felt like, okay, now the world outside of me knows what has been going on inside of me. Now I'm allowing the outside world to see what has really been going on in this situation the whole time. I'm alone. I'm just now making it legal. And so as I walked through that and there was no perfect barometer of gentleness or softness that I had to meet anymore, it's like it all started leaking out of me. Like loads of sadness were just like pouring out of me. Loads of rage and anger were just like everywhere. And it was scary, guys. It was scary because when you have not allowed that stuff to see the light of day, it's not like I didn't know it was in there. I knew it was in there, but when it came out, it was like a monster. It was like, holy cow, how long have you really been in there? Because it came out with force, but it was like relief. I've not cried as much as I ever have those those two years when all this started just boiling out of me. I, I don't think I've ever cried that much but it was healing. I don't think I've ever felt so much anger and given myself permission to like feel it, to, you know, sit on a treadmill treadmill and run for 30 minutes to get it out of me. Like I've never given myself permission to do that until those years. And of course I was in therapy. I'm going to give that good disclaimer. I went on antidepressants because they were needed. I made sure I was physically like I had to be active to deal with the anger. And that has been one of the best gifts I could have ever given to me because what I finally started doing was saying to myself, who you are, what you feel is real and it matters and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you for feeling anger. There's nothing wrong with you for feeling heartbroken. There's nothing wrong with you for feeling everything that you have felt going through these last years that you were trying to hide. You shouldn't have hidden them. There's nothing wrong with them. There is no perfect level of gentleness for a mother. There is no perfect anything for anything. You have to be you with your own dynamics and your own balances. And I started having that kind of dialogue internally for the first time. Skip forward to now, and I'm now in a place where, this is going to sound crazy, guys. Like, you know the perfect, okay, scratch that word. You know the gentle person I was trying so hard to be? as a mom, guess what? Oh my God, it's here. (laughs) I'm not angry. Like I am parenting a lot of kids and there's four, right? But to me, it feels I'm very outnumbered. And I have a high schooler. I have elementary kids. I have a pre-K kid. We have all kinds of dynamics, you know, being in a split family. And yet guys, listen, 
I'm at peace in my home. I am not on the verge of anger with my kids anymore. I am not on the verge of sadness anymore. I am not full of anxiety and panic attacks anymore. I, I don't feel that stuff. It's like, I don't have to hide it anymore because it's not there. And the only thing that has changed besides the obvious dynamics in my relationship, but what really changed the important shift and what I wanted this whole episode to be about was I connected with my insides and gave them permission to be outside of me. I gave them permission to be seen by other people. I gave them permission to have a place in conversation. I didn't try to hide anymore. In fact, I like really didn't hide anymore. I like unzipped my soul and let it gush out in front of my safe people, not everybody, but my safe people. And I have been so loved these last two years and my social circle has shrunk tremendously. The groups I come from aren't fans of divorce. The groups I come from are not fans of progressive beliefs or anger or any of this stuff. So, so my tribe got really small, but the quality is so much better than quantity. And inside this small little safe space that I have, I have found so much love, so much acceptance, so much grace, so much comfort to, to the point where there were literally days that I didn't want to leave my couch. I wanted to cry. And of course, this was when the kids were at dad's house. I would want to cry and hold a blanket and watch junky TV and eat loads of ice cream. And that was where I wanted to stay for like a few days. And I had people that I finally felt like, okay, I'm going to let them know this is where I'm at. And you want to know what they did? They climbed under the blanket with me. They got ice cream with me. They watched the shows with me. And they literally held me while I cried for two solid days. There was no shame. There was no, you shouldn't feel this. There was no, you better get moving. This is wrong. Be strong. No, it was, this is where you're at. And I'm sitting here with you. You know, this last two years is the first time. Oh, this is hard to say, guys. This is hard. Um, I'm fighting back tears saying this. The last two years are the first time in my life that I, as an adult, not as a child, but as an adult, that I have been held while I've cried. And that sounds like such a human thing, right? Like, what? Why? Why is that like revolutionary? Well, it's revolutionary because I've been married most of my adult life and I've been in very painful, lonely relationships within marriage and um, have cried a lot alone and have, like what I was talking about earlier, have felt the pressure to be mature enough to be able to cry alone, felt the pressure to be strong enough to be able to cry and comfort myself alone. And it's possible, but it's awful. 
it's not comforting. <laughs> you really don't self-comfort all that well. Um, and of course, there are times I still cry alone now. But what I'm saying is I don't have to cry alone anymore. And during those years when I felt like the tears wouldn't stop, the healing that happens when somebody is sitting with you in that space and loving you in that space is, I don't even have words for that. I All I have, the word that keeps coming to mind is human because it is such a, a primal human thing. Like we're not meant to feel this stuff and process it and guard it by ourselves. It's not healthy. Where I was was not healthy. And yet, let me tell you, society will reward previous self-me. Society gives you a big pat on the back, at least the society I was in. Big pat on the back for sticking it out in a really, really bad relationship. You get rewards and accolades and wow, she's such a strong, godly woman. Look at how she's serving her family and her husband and her children and receiving nothing in return. What a saint. There's a lot of accolades, but it doesn't change the fact that it's crap. Like the accolades are great and they make you feel warm and fuzzy for a bit, but then like you go right back to inner rage that you're trying to hide and inner like anxiety that you're panicking with alone. Like it's, it's the trade-off is not worth it. I don't have those pats on the back. Now I have the, Oh, we need to pray for Anna. She filed for divorce again. (laughs) Like society doesn't really reward the person sitting on the couch for three days, crying and eating ice cream with her best friend. But let me tell you, I'm at peace. Guys, I'm at peace. And society can shove it because peace inside my home was what I wanted the whole time. Me being a soft and tender mom, not on the verge of rage all the time, is what I wanted all along. Me not crying alone and panicking alone is what I wanted all along, guys. I wanted what I feel now. This was the dream. Isn't that weird to say? Like, that's really weird to say. I don't have my job anymore. I don't have my marriage anymore. And yet this is the dream. (laughs) Weird. But what the dream was for me was inner peace and connection. I wanted to be able to be in a room with my kids and smile and laugh at them and enjoy being with them and not feel like I was faking it. And I finally have that. That may sound like a small goal, but to me, it was the world's goal. That was all I wanted. Like that was it. And I've, I've climbed out of the pit and I'm there. My life is not perfect. I still at times deal, deal with anxiety. I still at times deal with a little bit of depression. I'm still on antidepressive meds. I, I'm not going to hide any of that. My life is not perfect but I'm at peace. And that is something I've craved for decades. So moral of the story, you need to find people you can be you with. You need to find people that you can expose the strength with, the softness with, 
and the ebb and flow between with. You need to have relationships in your life that are like that. If you don't, and you are still buying into that toxic mentality of hide it, stuff it, survive it, you're only killing you. And maybe, you know, you feel like that's worth it to save society's view of you. But from someone who's lived that path, I can tell you it's not worth it. It is far better to have a much smaller tribe, a much smaller circle, and be at peace than to please the masses and have inner turmoil and suffering. It's not worth it. Of course, it's easy for me to say that now. On the flip side of things, I am not going to discount how hard that journey was. But what I am going to tell you is that you were made well. You were made well. And maybe there's someone out there who needs to hear that. Like, you were made well. All is well. All is well with you. The way your heart feels, the way it functions, the way your brain processes, every part of you, you are made well. I hope that you can receive that today. I hope that you can hear that and allow that truth to sink in. Let that be your mantra today. All is well with me. All might not be well outside of you, but I promise you, your rage is valid. Your anger is worthy. Your sadness is so, so real. Let me just validate all of that for you. It's real. You felt it. You lived it. You breathed it. You carried it. It's in you. It's a part of you. And it's real. And you have all the permission in the world to access that thing and feel it and expose it and share it. Find your safe people, find your tribe, and allow yourself to be you. Go in peace. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.